Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and we like to do that through the world of music, of comedy, books, pastors, authors, people with great testimonies, the world of sports, and sometimes we get to take the world of sports or other things and blend it into my world of relationships. So I get to have two of the significant influences in my life spiritually. They might even fight over who gets more credit for having the impact on me, and then they might think about all the quirky things about me, and neither one of them want any of that. So in the world of sports, we have Doug Harris. We have Rob Aller. I've probably known these guys for, gosh, three decades now. Welcome, Doug. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah. This could get really goofy with you guys both speaking probably every time at the same time. I'm going to have to guide and direct this thing like like uh, John Saunders never could on the sports reporters. What do you that's, think? That's the spooky part. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff, you, like if you lose control at any point, just roll with it. Just, oh, you know, no, 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 don't even, Doug, don't even. If we could, if I, if well, I would, I like, the, I like the hello friends at the start. I thought yeah. it was Jim Nance. Well, you know, was interviewing hey, us for a minute. I'm going to be honest. I did steal it from Jim Nance. I'd like when he says hello, friends. It's pretty simple. Okay. I could do I think it's a Jim Nance meets uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Well, how about comedian Nate Bargatze, who always says, hello, folks. I kind of like that, but then other people have riffed off of uh, him doing hello, folks. Man, we've stumped you guys. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, you, you, if we're you're going to go, blind, we're off to a one. blind start. <laughs> we, we are. Certainly are. So, uh, how, how, how we got much longer? <laughs> but thanks for joining us. Time to wrap up. <laughs> well, we, Rob, good to talk with you. We joked before we got on the air that Rob started to look a little bit, at least I said, like David Letterman. So, this feels like a David Letterman thing already. Sounds exactly like the type of stuff he would say off to a roaring start and good, good night, folks, and we're done. So, Hey, let me make some connections here. So how I know you guys, Doug Harris comes into my life at a very pivotal point when I'm young, impressionable. We meet at the Springfield New Sun back on the famous, I always say it, the famous Michael Jordan shot on Craig Elo against the Cavs. That's, he jumps up in the air, legs go flying apart, fist pump, sends his career to the next stratosphere. That meeting did not go like I thought it would because Doug was supposed to get me a job as a sports writer. Instead, he tells me he's going off to do this thing called Young Life, and we can get to more of that later, but that changed my trajectory because he kept after me about going to Young Life camp, and I did, and the rest is history. Rob Aller, I meet through Doug, I think. Used to read his columns as well, often, and church together, small groups together, the, the pivotal point for Rob and me, I always go back to, he could think of many things maybe, but I always think about when I got fired from a job and I was like, oh crap, my good friend Jason Thornton had just passed away, who Doug knew as well. And I'm like, who am I going to go talk to about this? I called, maybe it was Doug. I don't know. I called somebody, couldn't get him. I was super close to Rob's house at the time. And I'm like, I'm just driving over to Rob's. 
He worked late the night before. It's like 7.30. He comes to the door and he's like, hello, let me get put on a pot of coffee. I'll come get you. <laughs> and he had to deal with me being an emotional wreck after getting fired from my job. How well did that change your life, Rob? Uh, let, let me think here. Um, <laughs> you don't even remember it. Give me, give me something, Doug. Uh, do you remember that at all? I, I Were you at a South Vienna at the time? No, he was no. on Castle or Cecil or whatever. It's on Northern. Okay. Or Northern. Northern. Yeah, I was on Northern. And, 467? Uh, I, I remember that. 467? Uh, I don't know. Four, I don't know what it was. I, I tried to, I'm sure I gave you some, some counsel that, uh, was, uh, only borderline effective. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you you're having to rack it rack in your brain. Like, was I did that really happen? Was I really there that early in the morning? Wait a minute. We need to explore something else. What job did you get fired from? I yeah. was I was at Key Bank. I was a teller after I got displaced in Dayton. And I was Were you pocketing money? <laughs> I was not pocketing money. Wow. Embezzlement? Is this Wow. <laughs> we have broke a story, Rob. I remember I remember his first thing when he, I came to the door, but I thought embezzlement was legal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was uh I, I remember I kind of remember this. The guy came there was a guy who came in and he was kind of messing with me about like he kept and I should have been smart enough to realize, okay, he's flipping these bills back and forth left and right to get me confused. He clearly did that, and it had happened, you know, how you're allowed so much time over shorten your uh, teller box and I'd crossed that line and been over and short too much and I uh, got let go. And so Rob had to be the one to suffer with me in the moment right away wow. after it happened. So, well, on to bigger and better things for you though. Well, something like that. So, hey, let's get into this because I want to talk relationships with you guys, men in your life who seeing you guys walk with men over your lives have impacted me, but let's get into Rob first, then Doug. What's your three-minute testimony? Three-minute testimony. Grew up nominal church goer that's that's putting it mildly then went to ohio state was living the carnal life dating a girl was engaged to be married and dated almost six years and a month before the wedding she blindsides me dumps me and that night i believe september 3rd it was labor day ironically labor day 1985 Cried out to God, didn't know where else to go. I had, luckily had had seed planters in my life at, at Ohio State. A couple guys on the on the track team there, a uh, guy who uh, was in the band and I lived with and was a young life a guy named Steve Gilbert. Mm, yes, indeed. And from there, came to Springfield, worked at the New Sun, met Doug, uh, met Jim Scobie, and we just kind of. Wally Martinson just kind of started to hang out together, had some Bible studies, and uh, the rest is history. Just uh, been a been a good life. Um, married a Wittenberg gal, who Jennifer Green, now Jennifer Aller, 33 years of marriage, and uh, three great kids. And that's that's it. Just trying to just trying to be more Christ-like every day. And as I always say, it's Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, and sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. Yeah. But we're hopefully we're gaining ground. And Rob, you are currently a Columbus Dispatch sports columnist. Is that right? I am. Yeah, been there since 1995, so 28 wow. years. I uh, write a little bit of everything this time of year. 90% Ohio State football. 
Did you say the Ohio State University and their football I team? Didn't. You just said Ohio I didn't State because football. back when I was in school, that didn't exist. Yeah. That became a thing in the nineties. I think, I think it was uh, Robert Smith, maybe went oh, on wow. football and said the Ohio State University, and that kind of caught fire, went viral, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, it was just Ohio State. Yeah. Well, there. well, clearly a whole lot of people have jumped on the, so Doug, give us your three minute one. And then Doug, when you're done with that, give us a little bit of background and we'll do the same with Rob about where has the world of sports been in your life? What have you, how have you participated professionally? Yada, 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 but start with your testimony. Mm, okay. Grew up Catholic and went to UD university Dayton on a basketball scholarship and hit a wall at UD personally, like, lost was kind of big man on campus if i could say that uh and we'll all. agree we'll uh, agree wait a minute you were only six two weren't you yeah something like that <laughs> so so at altar you know and then i go to ud and i realize nobody gives a crap what i did at altar high school and it was kind of an awakening like okay and i didn't really know i guess how to make friendships or relationships apart from just doing my shtick at altar mm-hmm. and freshman year was, was hard. I actually played. I started, I think like five games. Matter of fact, I just had a meal with a few guys, including the guy who was the starting guard as a senior. And the only reason I started about five games was that he kept getting into Don Donaher's doghouse. And when he was, I started, mm-hmm. wasn't ready scared to death it was it was ptsd borderline of that so after that um and just some other stress in my life personally i really was searching kind of went into depression the last right right about that point going into sophomore year basketball went better personal life went downhill met terry ross who was our six nine center great guy love the lord Remembered like it was yesterday, we're in training table line and he's singing. And I'm going, okay. And I'm going, you got a good voice. He said, well, Doug, you know, basketball is my third talent. I'm a singer, I'm an artist, and then I'm a basketball player. And I'm like, so I was drawn to him immediately. We end up living together my senior year in college, his first year out of UD. Um, we lived for a couple of years actually, and he read the Bible every day. And you know, so that kind of piqued my interest. Like that was weird, especially growing up Catholic where Bibles weren't handed out readily. And then I got a job at the new sun and still played basketball with local guys up here. Don Lynham, Doug Addis. I'm trying to think who else. Doug Addis. Uh, wow. I, I know him a little bit, but yeah. did not know he was yeah. the guy you playing ball with. Yeah. Just, just a lot of the good players up here and Jim Scobie. So if you could picture, I'm in my early 20s playing with these guys. There's arguing all the time. Who the ball go out of? Have I passed three minutes yet? And, <laughs> you know, screaming at each other. It went off you. No, it went off you. Scobie would go, here, you take it. Praise the Lord. Here, you have the ball. Praise the Lord. I just thought, who talks like this? Who is this guy? And so after one of our pickup games, him and I stuck around and I was, you know, hitting him with questions like, 
What's that about? And he invited me to the one-way house. True confession. We're supposed to meet at Perkins to go out to the one-way house. Well, I went to the Perkins on South Lime. He went to the Perkins on East Main. This is in probably mid-80s. No cell phones. Yeah. And I'm like, so I didn't see him. And I can remember being relieved. Like, I was not really ready to make that step. Well, we arranged to meet the next week, go to the one-way house, blown away by how joyful people were at church. If you can think of the churches, maybe, you know, mainstream churches you grew up in or whatever, there wasn't a lot of laughter and joy and jokes and fun and people just happy to be worshiping the Lord. That was a brand new experience, and I was hooked after that. Um, moved in with Scoby, met, you know, Rob came in and Rob, you may remember, I know you remember, we started having Bible studies at the New Sun, right. mildly successful, I would say, but we were trying to just live our faith out. And then in 89, Wally was another guy I had met, I guess God used him. He invited me to a Young Life camp as just a lay person, just go along, just go to camp, see what you think. And I was just blown away by how well they did camp and introduced kids to the gospel. Left the newspaper in 89 to go on staff with Young Life. And that really impacted me spiritually, being on staff for seven years and being around really great Christian men, just attractive Christian men um, who love the Lord. So that was probably five and a half minutes. So sorry. So Rob, my longest answer ever to a question is 22 minutes. Yeah. That podcast yeah. did not make the air because it was way too long. And we, we said, we'll have to come back to this later. 22 minutes sound bite. You've now been a part of the second longest answer ever on this podcast. What do you think? Uh, really? How many minutes was it? Come on. It was, well, you can just skip over his athletic part. Go to question five, Jeff. Question so, five. So Doug, I want to ask you this question. So I've had a few people mess with me and say, Hey, you know what? You got to have, you got to do this podcast sometime and let somebody interview you. I want to ask Ooh. you a question. I'm going to, I'm going to pick on myself here a little bit. So when you and right. I got connected that day and you started pursuing me over a matter of months before I finally jumped in and we went to Lake Champion, don't make it personal about me, but answer the question like, what made you decide to pursue there? Why? There was no reason to pursue a guy like me. I'm in college. I'm, in college. I'm not a high school kid. We don't go to church together. What made you say, okay, I'm going to pursue this young guy who needs whatever? Well, I don't know if hunger for the Lord shows up on a face, but I could tell that you were hungry for the Lord. Like you were just, you just had, you know, you had it like you were ripe for the Lord. I thought, and to be honest, don't give me too much credit. Cause I think I might've planted a seed about going to camp and yeah. wanted you to go, but I don't take much credit in your spiritual development in that stage of your life, to be honest. So Rob, before you get on here, you didn't know this. I texted Doug last night, and this is this is what I love about the stories because I know Terry Ross, I know Jim Scobie. Rob mentioned Steve Gilbert was at Young Life Camp probably three times with Steve Gilbert, but you tell that story. I know Terry Ross, I know Jim Scobie had an impact on you. You had an impact on me. But forget us. Your pipeline goes to Justin Cox, whose son just gets baptized yesterday. 
And, you know, I try to tell you stories. I tell people this all the time. Anytime I stumble across someone who brings you up, asks about you, talks about your impact in their life, I always tell you about it. I told somebody just the other day, I told someone a story about uh, when you and I went to the Wright State game, was it two, two seasons ago? And I took a, or somebody took a picture of us and I posted on Facebook just so you would know it firsthand how many people commented about you, about your impact, all that kind of stuff. And it's just fun to think about as you were talking, like Justin's sons, Jaden is his name. His baptism dates back to Terry Ross and who impacted him and Jim Scobie and who impacted him and yada, yada, yada. So that's a pretty, pretty stinking cool thing. So Rob, tell us a little bit more about your world in sports and how you got tied to sports and dispatch stuff or whatever else that ties you into the great 60-year-old sports athlete that you are right now? Hmm. Well, I just grew up participating in sports semi-successfully. was always fast, which is just a God-given gift. You can't really improve it. I know people try. Maybe you can a little bit. So went to Ohio State, walked on at Ohio State, and that's where I met a couple guys, a guy named John Hansel, who was captain of the team, Scott Ryder, and they just started to, they hit in the vans. We took van rides. We didn't fly. It was, it was Olympic. It was a non-revenue sport. Sorry. I still remember being in French field house and getting kicked out while, in the middle of our practice by the football team. Cause it was raining and football. Oh gosh. Ride. So we, they just said practice over. You're out of here. Not that I'm bitter. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, they planted the seeds in me and it didn't really take hold. I think it needed some watering and it needed some desperation is what it needed. And that's what I hit. I think I'd already shared that Labor Day in, in 85, the desperation hit. But uh, I always enjoyed writing. In fact, I might be a little different or unusual in this. There's a shocker. And that I think the writing is what got me going in this more than the sports. There are a lot of people who just love sports and then they try to fit the writing around it but i liked writing creative writing going way back to grade school and i love sports so i just combined those two honestly i probably wasn't too good at anything else that was there's some reality to that too i'm horrible at math i wasn't going to be a scientist or doctor i was pretty good at writing and just kind of gravitated that way and so worked at the new sun for 10 years i was the whiz the wizard for a good bit of that, gave away a lot of t-shirts, never <laughs> won that thing. And then in 1995, opportunity arose to, to go to the Columbus Dispatch. The funny story there is that I was hired to cover high schools, but they needed somebody to cover the Reds, which they told me for a couple of days. I had never covered a baseball game in my life of all in 10 years in Springfield we had a guy named Ron Ware who did all the baseball and Tim Busey the old sports editor he did like the Reds I didn't know how to keep box score honestly I had zero it's not that I didn't have interest in baseball so the first day I go down there and three days of covering the Reds became a summer which almost killed me they called it the they call it the uh, divorce beat because it's just a, it's a different, it's a different life. You're not home. You, yeah, that's a whole nother story, but. Uh, that was a uh, wire to wire. Wasn't it for the Reds, Rob, that year? 90? No, no, no. This was, this was 95. 95. 95. I the Reds. That was their last, 
really good. I think that was our last playoff series win. Okay. Yeah. yeah they had some leftovers from the 90 team, but it, it was a good team, not a great team. Anyhow, then I kind of started to write features, did a lot of profiles, and never did do a lot of high school. Some. And then I started writing columns. My goodness, I was thinking of this the other day. I've actually been writing columns since 1997. Wow. So that's a long time. And now I'm cranking them out and um, still enjoy it. There's a lot of variety in sports writing. Uh, it does knock, the, as I always say, it knocks a little bit of the fan out of you when you see what's behind the curtain or how the sausage is made. And uh, but that's it. I've taught I've taught uh, journalism classes at Taylor University. So that's been a good experience, too. So it, it's all kind of come together for me got a couple more years here before i can walk into the sunset put my 30 on the bottom of the story which is journalism mm. link wow. yeah, that's, that's old school love that and uh yeah so and i have just enough involvement in sports through the years to kind of connect and i, I think the other thing i'm not going to say this makes me different or special but i look at sports sort of through the emotional, mental, psychological side, that interests me more than the X's and O's. I kind of like what makes people tick, mm. why things are the way they are versus just, you know, he ran for 120 yards. Okay, fine. But how was he able to do that? What was his background? Yeah. What happened in his life? How was he coached? So there you go. So Rob, that's five <laughs> shorter ducks. That's now, I'm now number three <laughs> in longest answer. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's open to debate. We're gonna have seven minutes just of laughter here. Uh, yeah. Hey, let's start with you on this one, Rob. So let's take everything you just said about seeing behind and how the sausage is made. Whatever I know, talking to both of you over the years, and Rob, I know I probably talked to you about this part a little bit more. There's the good, the bad, the ugly, the swearing like a sailor type of stuff, the attitude, the ego, fans, players, the management side, coaches, a whole list. We all know there's great value in sports competition. You know, how do we, and I want you to answer this two ways. From your perspective, how have you been able to balance where there's good, there's value, there's competition, there's story versus where it can become a thing for you, your heart cheering for a team. I know as a, as a media person, you want to kind of push aside the rooting for your team thing, but how do you keep it in the right perspective and also have that lens, not just for yourself, but speak to people who might listen to this, who are the sports dad of the teenage boy, the middle school girl who's developing, becoming an athlete, and then it can just overtake their life and everything is about their kid, their sport, make it to the next level, and it just becomes something so out of whack. Take it, Rob, and then we'll come to you on that one, Doug. Yeah, well, this is nothing new, but the statistics are out there in terms of if you think your kid's going to become you know, an NFL player, it's like one less than 1% of the 1%, something like that. So I think there's a reality check there, not that you shouldn't want the best for your kid, but when the goal becomes to make it to the top or anywhere close to that, then, then thinking can get out of whack. Perspective gets a little out of whack. And then and I think that's just kind of taken over culture and society at large is just sort of these these false ex, these false expectations and living for yourself, really. I mean, especially maybe where sports is gone is it's a lot more meism than weism these days. So that's a little tough to to stomach. 
Um, so you're I still, couldn't coach, so, I couldn't coach my own kid. I know a lot of dads coach their kid. I did it for one year and said, no, I don't know. I don't like what this is doing to me. Mm. I don't know. I don't like what it's doing to him. I get too invested. I get too wrapped up in it. Let it, let somebody else do it. And so that that was that's a personal thing. I just I, I couldn't do that. In terms of the big picture, what you're talking about, I think we have a perfect example right now in in Coach Prime mm. and Deion Sanders, who kind of checks all the boxes for good and bad, I would say. Uh, my story with Dion is when I covered the Reds that year, you know, he's this flashy, you know, neon Dion. And I went over to interview him in the corner. It was quiet. He was reading his Bible. He had just become a believer, I think, for the most part. And and he was, he was, uh, he had some depth to him. Now you look at where he is at Colorado. Is he doing good? Does he care about his players? Absolutely. I believe that. Does he care about himself? Absolutely. So it's that fine line between bringing the attention on himself and humility. You know, I don't see a lot of humility sometimes in some of the things he says. But if you want to look at where we are in sports, look at the coach at Colorado. Mm. And there's a lot of good and there's a lot of I don't know about that. So what do you say to the parents, you know, that you've been down this road a whole lot further than most? How do you keep your heart pure? And obviously, I think there's no doubt we would all three agree there's got to be a spiritual lens. Now, if you're not walking with Jesus, that's not going to be possible. But what would you say to a parent who is going to walk down the road, their kid, or even for them getting obsessed with it, just say, take a chill pill or what, Rob? Well, I would just say, where's your where's your motivation? You know, who's what's your identity? You always have to keep your identity in mind. You know, audience of one, you're really operating for God. I know I'm throwing cliches out here, but I just see a little bit of identity being thrust into, and Doug can speak on this. I think he kind of already did at length uh, about <laughs> <laughs> at, at what is your identity as an athlete? His identity at, at UD was, you know, sports, the guy. Uh, I think he lost who he really was or never really knew who he was. So I think that's really important as an athlete to kind of separate these things of, you know, this is, this is what I do. This is not who I am. So as a parent, I would really try to get that across. And if there's sacrifices, if you don't make the A plus traveling team, because, you know, you're going to go to church instead, or you're, or you think your kid is just getting too obsessed or you're getting too obsessed with it and it, it can happen it can mm-hmm. happen pretty what's the word um subtly sure pretty subtly i think so those are just just some kind of knee-jerk thoughts and what i've seen i don't deal with the parents much i don't do a lot of high school but i know it's out there i, I know it's out there so doug how do you want to respond to that i mean what's what's that like for you keeping the right framework for your own heart i mean you've been really honest with me and rob and others over the over your life that i've known you at least about ud basketball still loving it not wanting to get obsessed ohio state football whatever it may be how do you keep like the good the value the story what's so great about it versus where does it just go off the rails and your heart gets all jacked up and then what would you say to younger people to say hey don't don't let this take over your whole life well, let me start with the good because I think I'll forget it as when I go into what I really want to say. You know, there is something, Rob, I think you could 
agree. Like you learn discipline, you learn to do things you don't want to do, but you have to do and you make yourself do them. There's that element to it. Um, teamwork, that's a teamwork element. Yeah, teamwork element and just perseverance. I think I'm, I can push myself through things or have through my, uh, I'll be 66 in a couple of days, through my almost 66 years. Um, then I think a sports background sure helped with that. But just the other thing you were kind of hitting on with parents and pushing kids and blah, blah, blah. Just from, um, I can only speak personally. I know my whole life through high school was geared to getting a scholarship to the University of Dayton. I grew up in Dayton, in Kettering. When I was 10 years old, they played in the NCAA finals against Lou Alcindor. So I was just, you know, enthralled with UD Flyers, everything about that. I even stopped playing Little League Baseball after sixth grade um, because I wanted to focus solely on basketball. And then I got there. And then wham, it didn't turn out to be the prize, life-fulfilling kind of thing I thought it would be. In fact, it's a quick story. So I played ahead. I played when I really shouldn't have played because there was no one else. Uh, Dayton had 12,000 fans. And I used to get booed um, a little bit as I would get up. Don Herbert sent me into games. He liked me because I hustled. Um, I did, you know, I was coachable. I did, you know, things that you were supposed to do on the floor. Um, but I was so overmatched athletically and I was scared to death. I can remember one time we were playing a team, a game I started at Mississippi State, and they're pressing us, and I'm running around like my head had been cut off, trying to beat the press with a dribble, and Johnny Davis, who ended up in the NBA, just called me over and just said, Doug, settle down. And I, you couldn't have put a pin in me. I was that tight. Mm. So at the end of the season, I'm playing against Xavier on the road, probably our next to last game, third to last game. And we're down by one. We set up a play for Jim Paxson, who's also a freshman, who the ball should have gone to. Xavier double teams him, who they should have double teamed. Johnny Davis had fouled out, and that's why I was in the game. And Paxson threw the ball to me. There's two seconds left. I have no choice but to shoot it. And somehow, miraculously, it went in to win the game. My teammates swore me, you know, mob me. They're all happy. I can remember it like yesterday. My, my thought internally was, good, now maybe they'll stop booing me. Mm. So it wasn't this joyous experience for me. Maybe it could be and can be for other people. But I just don't know that the payoff, mm. any payoff apart from the Lord, I don't know if it's going to be as fulfilling as we think it will be in pursuit of it in the end. Yeah. Let me jump in, too, if I may think, because uh, it triggered a thought just real real briefly in terms of parents and, and their kids. I think it works the other way, too. I think the kid... The young athlete has to do it for himself mm -hmm. or herself. And and good luck parsing that when you're a parent, not wanting sure. to say you want what's best for the kid, but 
you know, is there a little bit of you in that, in that when you, know, you, you want to look good, you want to succeed, or you think you know what the kid wants. My experience at Ohio State, my parents, it was great. They came to, they drove down two hours to every meet. They came down, they didn't have 12,000 there. We're lucky to have 1,200. But uh, I looked for them before I would run. And I got to a point where I was so panicked if I couldn't find them. Mm. So I think that was a wanting to please, wanting, you know, they drove all this way. You know, I don't want them to be late. I don't want them to miss the race. Also, I want them to be proud of me. It it really became, I, I it almost paralyzed me. I used to have to go into the bathroom before I raced and stick my finger down my throat mm. to make myself throw up before races because I was so nervous. Now, that's not on my parents. I don't hold them responsible. It was on me of not running for my own self and to take it one step further what Doug just said because I wasn't a Christian then you know the chariots of fire is you know one of my favorite movies it's a great movie run for the glory of the Lord if, if somehow that sounds a little cheesy maybe but somehow if you can get beyond yeah. running your own glory running to impress your parents or to get some kind of attaboy from them you've got to run for the right reason i say run i mean compete and uh i just maybe maybe is that out there today i don't know but that would be my advice for parents really find out if your kid says you know i don't really like playing baseball you know there's a thing called perseverance and and fighting through some of the some of the fears but there's also a thing of i just don't really like baseball okay don't play baseball let's find something else or go play the violin if that's what you want to do you know i just that's where we are. Rob, you said several sound bites there that were very meaningful to me as a dad to try to find that balance between always trying to tell Alex when he leaves the house as a junior in high school, 16 years old, have fun, have fun, be a great teammate, whatever. But then, you know, want it where you see some talent, he's become a runner, you know, doing a running thing fairly well on a, you know, very rookie level kind of deal. Basketball has always been his first love. So I relate to so much of what you said there. It was really good. So, I'm glad I look back on my notes. I think usually I'll encourage people to keep their sound bites to like two minutes. I guess it's okay. I didn't tell you guys that. So that was left off on your script. So you guys, you guys are good. But um, your, your best moment you've ever covered in sports for each of you and your most, your hardest or most tragic moment sports you've covered. Let's go Doug first. Best. Maybe for me, it was the 2002 Ohio State National Championship that whole week. There was a lot of drama with that, uh, with Maurice Claret. You know, he wanted to leave because he had one of his buddies back home and had gotten shot and killed and just that. But but just the game and, and them being just massive underdogs. And for me personally, five years before that, I had and a left Young Life, started a group home with uh, Ralph Williams, who you, you guys know, but other people you know, probably hadn't heard that name. Wonderful guy, but it was a group home for juvenile delinquents, and it was a not a good fit for me. It was for him. They were scared of him. I was scared of them. And then somehow the Lord opened a door for sports writing again, 98, 97, I guess I got on at Dayton Daily. And then uh, five years later, I'm, I've got the Ohio State beat, and, and they're winning a national championship and covering that 
the most tragic. I'd probably have to say, I don't know if you guys remember the Bluffton baseball mm, bus yeah. crash. Oh, yeah. Um, that's actually been about 15 years ago. Five of the players died. Bluffton it was only like an hour north of us in Dayton. And Dayton, uh, Daily News, wanted to do like maybe, I don't know if it's a month afterwards, like let's really dive into this and make it a full page, you know, each day, five-part series. Um, so I had to walk on eggshells and I was so, you know, whatever you want to call it, I understood where these people were coming from. And the last thing I felt like they wanted was to talk to media. And so I just tried to be sensitive to that, but somehow the Lord opened up an Avenue with the coach and his wife. And I remember sitting in the home of a player's mom who died, the player died talking with her. I getting choked up a little bit, even remembering. Um, so that's that. That was that was by far the most tragic. Rob, same question. Maybe get take about a minute on this one. Yeah, yeah. Well, two thousand two Ohio State was pretty powerful. Uh, it was hard, very hard, because of the the dynamics of deadline. Two thousand fourteen Ohio State, fantastic. You know, the ones that stick out are sort of the sad ones. I always say, if I make myself cry in my column, I know it's a good one. Mm. Uh, or it's going to impact people. I did a, just a couple of years ago, uh, a couple who lost both their sons, really good wrestlings and a house fire were killed. And doing that interview was surreal. The, the, the dad was just, he still was sort of just mumbling and talking like they were there and just uh, wild. So there's a lot of those. Mark Zimmer, four-time state champion, another wrestling story. Ohio's first four-time state champion died a couple years ago from ALS. So to see somebody who was at the pinnacle mm, and wow. then passed from ALS, went out there and talked to him, believer, fantastic. So those are those are two different ones. Wow. There. Stay with you, Rob. Give us give us like one or two people maybe in the world of sports that you're like, man, I respect that person as a follower of Jesus. Wow, that's a tough one, Pink, because. I've seen so much of the talking out of both sides of the mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw Clark Kellogg out there. Yeah. He's legit. Clark Kellogg is legit. Ernie. Uh, Ernie, Ernie Johnson. From Ernie Johnson. I think that's legit. I don't know him. Yeah, I think um, it is. But so those, those are, those are a couple. I think uh, CJ Stroud last year, he was, I think he was, he talked the talk. He walked the walk. Uh, we'll see where that goes, but uh, he was very vocal about his faith. There've been so many. That I'll stick with that. Yeah. Doug, how about you? I would say longer back, Jim Tressel. Um, I know my, my, that answer might surprise some people, but I kind of watched how he treated people. I, he was the worst guy to ever interview because he would talk and talk and talk and not really give you a soundbite. Um, but he never greeted anybody like they asked a dumb question. Mm. And believe me, there were a lot of dumb <laughs> questions. Um, the other guy I think of, Pink, your friend, uh, Scott Nagy at Wright State, who I cover now, he is the most honest, transparent, real coach I've ever dealt with in all my years in sports writing. I love him for that. He just he just lets it rip about himself, about his team. He doesn't put on any like front to make him look good. And but I also tell friends about Scott Nagy, and uh, if he listens to this, maybe it's, I don't care. If you're waiting for him 
to make him feel like he likes you, you'll be waiting a long time. Like he does not deal in small talk. He does not make you feel like he's glad you called. But at this point in my career, I'd much rather have the former than the latter. Sure. That's good stuff. Okay, we're down to the end. we got to cut it short. Too much laughter, too much whatever. A lot of fun. This is great. So I have these rapid five questions. We're going to cut them to three. We'll be quick on these. Rob Doug, favorite childhood snack or cereal? Doug, what do you got? I'm probably the oldest in the bunch. So do you remember, like, they used to have cereal uh, variety packs. Oh, yeah. Frosted Flakes, Raisin Bran, yep. little boxes. Yep. Give me that. Six pack. Long. Nobody's ever Pop said tarts. that's a that's a great answer because you covered a lot of ground there. Pop tart, Pop, which Pop tarts, Pop tarts. Which one? What flavor? I actually liked those chocolate ones for a while. I went through phases. S'mores. Strawberry, cherry was probably the go-to. S'mores. No, they, we didn't. No, they didn't have s'mores. This uh. is all. They had like two flavors, three flavors. How about these? Ba- how about these bakeries now that are making Pop Tarts? I just had one. Kara just yeah, got one yeah, the other day. Have, to, yeah, we have them. Yeah, you get those. Uh, Date Market. Date Market had one right, right by the just Dragon Stadium, Doug. Wife, honey, get the keys. That's We're going. <laughs> All right, guys. What's the book you most want or have given to other people? What's the book you love to gift to other people? I'll go first. Uh, well, there's Prayer with Jesus is one, but right now I'm in this thing called Fellowship, and that we don't have time. Maybe maybe a Separate, second episode yeah. sometime. But I'm big now on fellowship versus leadership. Mm-hmm. I'll just say this: if you want to, if you want to lead for God, you must be willing. Amen. Led by God. Yep. I love on this podcast asking people, "Who do you follow?" If you lead, you got to be listening to somebody. Somebody's going to be pouring into you. Who do you follow, Doug? What's your book you would most want to get to other people? I am horrible at giving books. I don't know if I ever have. You know, it's all about me. So I will just say uh, I've been gifted this wonderful devotional from a pastor friend. You guys know Neil Haney called The Indwelling Life of Christ. Mm. And it's all about we're dead. We've died. He lives in us and through us. And the more we surrender and get out of the way, the better off we'll be and others around us will be. And I got that from Neil, and I've gone through it now five or six times. Um, it's uh, for me, it's that good. All right, first celebrity crush, Doug. Go first oh celebrity my crush. Gosh. You kidding me? This will age me. Farrah Fawcett. Wow. Had her picture when I was at Alter High School on the inside of my locker. Yep. I was that yep. cocky, and I didn't care what the priest thought. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett's picture with all that hair was on the inside of my locker as a senior. But if the if the question was your biggest celebrity crush, wasn't Amy Grant your biggest celebrity crush? Once I became a Christian, and you know what? There's a lot of guys in that line. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of guys in yeah. that line for Amy Grant. Exactly. Robbo, who you got? Cheryl Ladd, who kind of followed. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Cheryl Ladd's poster, and I also do believe I had Farrah Fawcett's poster. Wow. That's wow. A whole other- that's a whole nother podcast right it there, is. brother. We got two more coming uh, after this one. Yeah. So that's that part be, two. That'd be it. All right, guys. Well, you got other fish to fry. We, let's go fry some fish. And uh, it was a pleasure. I laughed. It was fun to kind of navigate this with you guys. You guys were a little bit more long-winded in parts than I thought you would be, but uh, great nonetheless. I could do this every day. We need editors. I enjoy it. There are there are editors. (laughs) Yeah, and I appreciate what you're doing in the community with with men. It's very much needed. 
Rob, since you're still pretty active, where can people follow you on social media to know, especially when they want to see the Saturday morning before the Buckeyes game, Calm Before the Storm post? Dispatch.com and Roller CD, which is Twitter slash X, the social media site formerly known as Twitter. That's right. And Doug, you're still covering uh, Wright State basketball. Is that right? I am. This It's a great retirement gig. Summer's off. And I just, before I got on here, I interviewed the men's soccer coach. Do a couple stories during the week and then cover basketball pretty heavily when, when that rolls around. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks as always, folks. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.